Hey listeners, this is the Spotlight on Grace podcast, where we're focusing on what's happening at Grace Church and how God's grace is making a difference in our lives. I'm your host, Burr Bolton. Pastor Tanya's here co-hosting. I'm here, yes. And we have somebody back again today. I know. He's no stranger to the podcast. He's not. He's one of my favorite teachers. Yeah, and it's Kirk Shepard. Yes, welcome, Kirk. Oh, thank you. I, I love coming in here and doing this. It's awesome. So the last time that you were here talking about drudgery, discipline, and delight, which... It's a great podcast. So many people back and listen. Yeah. Yes. um, We were talking about heading into uh, deeper into the Pentateuch, past Genesis and Exodus, and you said I could come and talk about the law and maybe um, encourage encourage hopefully pump you up a little bit about it. Yeah. Encourage (laughs) and spur one another on to the good deed of pushing through. So we're heading in there. So thanks for coming back today. Oh, glad to do it. Like I said, I'm excited anytime I get a chance to. To come in here and hang out with y'all. So. Yeah, good deal. So as people normally read through the Bible, this is kind of the point um, where they drop off. Why do you think that is? Why do you, why do you guys think that is? There, I think there's a couple things. For one, we're already past the point where people give up their New Year's resolutions. Yes, right. Or, anyway. <laughs> yes, That's what I was yes, wondering. Yes, if yeah. we're just so many days into right. this new project right. or new experience that right. you just give up, yes. like, is that what it is? And then I think that Leviticus and Numbers in particular get a really bad rap. Uh, and, and into Deuteronomy, because you get into Deuteronomy and it's a, it's a, it's a repeat. Uh-huh. And, and so that kind of throws, you know, like, did we, did I, did I, did I just read this? <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute, why am I doing this again? Because so, yeah. uh, Genesis and Exodus tend to have more of like story format. Uh-huh. And so it plays out kind of like a screenplay, mm-hmm. you know, you can yeah. picture it in your head. Yep. And then we hit these other books and it's like, oh. <laughs> if you can get through, Lex, uh, uh, if you can get, get through Leviticus, you get to, you get to, uh, numbers, and then there's literally, it's called numbers for a reason. Mm-hmm. The first several chapters, you're doing nothing but but recounting numbers, and you're like, oh, my goodness, am I taking an accounting class? What's going on? <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I mean, there are some stories in there, but we don't, we don't, a lot of times we don't get past <laughs> all the counting right. before we're done, and we're like, mm-hmm. I can't handle this anymore. And that's if we can get through Leviticus. Even to that. Yeah. So I don't want to jump too far ahead, Kirk, so you may say come back to this, but thinking about like, numbers or places in the Bible where we see lots of um, genealogies, you know, and we know there's a place for that. We know they're there for a reason, um, those kinds of things. But um, generally speaking, what would you guys say to someone like, is it okay to scan past the numbers generally in your basic devotional Bible reading? I mean, you're not going to get a doctorate degree in Old Testament (laughs) theology or something. Um, Like, what would you guys generally speak to that? And then also, don't you think that, especially if we think that we can't skim over those things, that we stop because we're, we're taught that, like, I mean, most books you read from front to back. Right. And you read it linear, linearly. Um, and so if I don't get past this part, maybe I just need to give up and stop. Mm-hmm. And so what would mm-hmm. your call to people be in relation to that? Uh, okay, full disclosure. Years ago, I, I when, when I would read through I made a commitment to read through the Bible, and and I was and it would take me about fifteen months to read through it, and I I get another translation and read through it again, and 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 the way I did, I did not read front to back, I would read two or three in the New Testament and some in the Old Testament, and what I would do is I would read one one from the Pentateuch 
and then I'm somewhere else for a while. <laughs> yeah. That's all I could handle. So yeah, I don't know that that's <laughs> – and, and then I, I'd come back to it after two or three other books and, and, and force myself to read through it. And, and then I, I had to have a change of perspective to be able to, to, to really to enjoy it because mm-hmm. that was not something I enjoyed. And uh, as you learn about why those numbers are there, why all those, all those lists of genealogies are there, I think it's a lot it, – it, you, you may not be going, oh, wow. Great, but but at least you understand it, and you're going, okay, I see why they put that mm-hmm. there. Appreciate uh, it at least. You appreciate mm-hmm. it a lot yeah. more, yeah. yes. What do you think, Bert? Um, to tell someone new to reading the Bible, it's their first time through even maybe trying to read the Bible through. I think if it's definitely your first time through, it's okay to feel like you can skim past of all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, just when I read regular literature, sometimes I will just skim past certain parts that yeah. are interesting to me, but I can get the general gist of what's right. going on. But then if it's something specific to what I may be going through in life, or if I want to go back through and do a, a harder pass, even in just regular books, I may go back and do a little bit more in-depth, yeah. which then would lead me to research in another book and another book and another book. And I think for someone reading through the Bible the first time, it could happen a lot like that, like just skimming through genealogy or numbers um, that are lists, mm-hmm. you know, that just seem kind of tedious. But then eventually I think people, as they fall in love and hit the delight point yeah. of reading the Bible, mm-hmm. they would be more interested in going back and researching why they're there. Or maybe someone preaches or they hear someone speak on a genealogy or a list of numbers and they figure out that, oh, this ties in with this other part that I actually read. And so then they get more interested in whatever huh. it is. I mean, I think they're there for a reason, but I don't think anyone um, should feel guilt about skimming through it right well i mean only you're talking about regular literature like only certain types of people are reading the statistics in any it's book true. you know what i'm it's saying true. unless it's for a class and you have to have it. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. well and i'll go a step farther because i hadn't thought about this until now but even in a d group that i was in a year or two ago um we we were in the new testament we we're going to read through the new testament mm-hmm. and we got into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we even started saying in the Gospels. Believe it or not, we were like, my head is spinning because some of these stories repeat or there's a, mm-hmm. you know, like, and we realized, oh, we need to, let's take a break. And we actually decided in Luke to go ahead and jump to Acts since they kind of go, mm. since they go together anyway, and then come back to John because mm-hmm. we're like, we almost need to breathe from these particular stories, not because they're not wonderful and life-giving and all the things that we know that the life of Jesus right. is, but in the reading itself, like even that was like, oh, let's let's go on to something else for a minute and then come back. So I'm like, mm-hmm. if you can do that with the Gospels, you could certainly do it with other right. things. And, and again, all of that, that comes back to perspective. And, under, and when we take, a lot of times when we read something, if we just change our perspective a few degrees, mm-hmm. it changes everything. Yeah. yeah. It opens the door. And so I, I, you know, I shared with you that, that before I would always, I, I, I'd read one, one, one of those books and I'd go somewhere else for two or three books and I'd come of the Bible and I'd come back and, and read another. And then what you may or may not know, I started out in youth ministry and then I kind of had a shift and I ended up working as a, as a law enforcement officer. I was a school resource officer for a number of years. And so it wasn't until I got involved in law enforcement that I really began to, to appreciate uh, the Pentateuch. And, and, and the reason being is this. I, I looked up because I wanted to make sure my numbers were correct. In the laws of, of the state of Tennessee are called the Tennessee Code. There are 71 titles, 
and it comes in 42 volumes. Wow. So it stacks up about four and a half feet of books. Wow. Now, that's just the laws in the state of Tennessee. <laughs> Look at the U.S. Code, which is the laws for the, for the federal government. 51 titles, 269 volumes. Oh, my goodness. And I told you I was looking up to make sure. I, sure. So, by the way, just in case you want to buy it, the government uh, government accountability office you can get it for eight thousand and sixty dollars. <laughs> just throwing that out. So, so on top of all those books of laws that we have in our country, we also have local laws. We have, and we call those ordinances. We have uh, city ordinances and county ordinances. All of those. Now, when I look at all those things that I, you know, as a law enforcement officer, I had to start. Figuring out what I'm, you know, you have to enforce these things. You have to look at things. Not all of them, they cover a wide variety of stuff. But I look at all these books of laws, and then I look at what God wrote <laughs> to create the nation of, uh, of Israel. And I'm like, wow. Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> pretty efficient, God. <laughs> this is Way pretty efficient, yeah. <laughs> yep. This is pretty cool. I, mm-hmm. I this, You know, I, that's my, my perspective changed. And uh, I, I began to look at it with fresh eyes, and and it just and it really kind of opened me up. And I'm like, this this is pretty cool. God God's pretty awesome in the way He did this. Yeah. Uh, the other thing in, in dealing with that, we look at when we look at it. There's, I, I hear Christians say sometimes we don't need to read that because we're we're under grace, we're not <laughs> under law. Mm-hmm. We're under grace, we're not mm-hmm. under law. And usually that's somewhere tied in that I did something I sh- really shouldn't have done, but I want you to know I'm under grace under the law. And so yeah. I'm like, eh, it's not necessarily good. And then, so when we look at the Old Testament law, one of the things we need to look at is there's actually three types of law there. Uh, if we're going to break it down, there's civil law, which is, you know, what we would consider laws to govern by. Mm-hmm. And, and those laws ended with the nation of Israel. Now, we still have those, those laws are important to look at because, honestly, a lot of our laws today are based on, uh, on what God put down there in, in the Pentateuch. There's also ceremonial law, and that's, that's how we interact with God, clean and unclean and, and, and sacrifices, and Leviticus has a whole lot of that. And those, those ended with the cross, those laws, I mean, Jesus took care of all that. And then there's moral law. And so that is how God judges good and evil. And the reality is that's still in place. God never took that away. Mm-hmm. And so when you, when you look in the New Testament, you hear Paul talk about, I'm not under law, but then he also talks about, you know, we are, we are under the law. He's talking about those different types of law. Yeah. Uh, you know, moral law still has still has something to give us, and, and we're still under that. The thing about it is when you read through, there, there's not a six. we're on civil law now, we're on civil <laughs> It's all mixed in together. And when you start thinking about it, we like defy, dividing things and, and putting them in categories and stuff, but that's not real life. Real life is all mixed together, and, and, and that's the way God presents it. You have, you know... You got one law on, on how to how to deal with with uh, you know how to deal with a family member. The next one on hey don't boil boil your you know boil a kid in their mother's milk. <laughs> you're like what? Why is that together? Well, everything is together in life. Everything mixes, and so we need to look at we need to look at it. God doesn't see our lives as as separated. He sees them as inseparable, yeah. 
And uh, so uh, when you're when you're looking at it, it makes it important. Um, when we're reading through those books of the law, a couple of some really some things that are easier, maybe easier to understand, uh, to to have more fun reading it, is uh, read through it and look. Okay, they're, they're describing a law here. What kind of law? Is this a civil law? You know. And if that's a civil law, then how is that civil law kind of carried out today? Do we have a modern equivalent of it that I can relate in my life? Okay, so so how did God do that different than we do it today? And so you start thinking about it, and then we get to ceremonial law, and we go, okay, we're looking at something. How how did Christ fulfill this? How was this taking? How was this particular law fulfilled by Christ? And you know. We have to remember in ceremonial law, the reason for these ceremonial laws, they were to make sure that we knew we were sinners. Mm -hmm. There was no way, you know, after you got finished reading through all that, you're like, okay, I messed up. Okay, (laughs) there's no way I can get around it. I messed up. I can't at the end of the day go, I'm justified before God. I I messed up. I know that. And and that ceremonial law also, it, it throws out that only blood can repair that breach of sin. And the, the blood they talk about in the Old Testament, again, that's a foreshadowing of Christ's blood that takes it away. So those are, you know, those are ways that when we look at the, when we start reading through it, start thinking about how it applies to our lives, how it, how it connects. Moral law, you know, again, that's something we're still held by. So, okay, is this something that I'm still supposed to be doing? Uh, that I'm still supposed to be a part of, and I'm, you know, that, that applies in my life right now just the way it is. That's good. Yeah. It would be nice if somebody would make the color-coded yeah. Pentateuch, though, to help us know. <laughs> yeah, so we could look reading. under which one. That's yeah. right. As That's I'm it. reading and it jumps, codes on me. But no, that makes so much sense. I've never heard that explained exactly yeah. that way before, but that makes um, so much sense about because people on the outside of the church looking in, it would be really easy for them to say, well, you just want to pick and choose out of the Old Testament. And it's mm-hmm. like... Well, here's the reasons why. That's why. Like, that's that's it. why this is important. And we see the things that are the moral law that carries over. We see um, James talking about like not being saved by the the works of the law. So some of the civil and ceremonial things, but right. why faith and deeds still go together because the deeds would fall under that moral code of life and serving others and those kinds of things makes a lot of sense to me. One one pastor put it this way, you know, so I've been reading the Bible. There's a lot more do's in the Bible than there are don'ts. Mm. If you spend your time doing the do's, you don't have time to do the don'ts. Uh, so. Amen. That works. <laughs> you know, another thing, when we look, some again, it's about perspective. When we look at, at these first five books and we understand when we get to the law that and we just we just finished this this part up, so this should be fresh in everybody's memory. That when Israel went to Egypt, it wasn't a nation; mm-hmm. it was a family, yep. seventy members. Seventy people went down there. Joseph and his kids were already there, mm-hmm. but so I mean, it, it was not a nation. Four hundred years later, it's still not a nation; it's a group of slaves. Yeah. They have no cultural identity; they have no national identity. They're the children of Israel. That's it. And so what God is doing in these laws, in, 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 in these, these five books, is he is forming a culture. He's forming a godly culture. It's scary sometimes because <laughs> as we get into them, we find out people aren't always good with that. Yeah. <laughs> They're not, yeah. But he's, he's giving those, them 
you know, to, to be able to, to, to look at that and, and peek in and see what's happening, to, to me, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Watching God form some, and say, this is the way I want you to live. Right. Uh, and, and it's it's in, it's important, you know. And, and the thing is, those when, when we as we're reading in here, as we start start out, we start looking and we see the people of Israel get to the promised land, but they're still dependent, not dependent on God. They're dependent on Egypt. Yep. And you'll see it as we're reading through some of the stories there. Every time something bad happens. This wasn't the way it was in Egypt. We go back. Can we go back to Egypt? We had cucumbers there, and we had leeks, and we had this. everything was awesome in Egypt because they were dependent on Egypt, yeah. and to the point where it was time to go into the Promised Land. And they looked, and they see the giants, and and instead of trusting God, they're like, "We can't go in there. We can't do that," because they weren't depending on God. And we see God turn them back. And say that's not going to happen. You're not. You're not going to go. I'm going to raise up another generation, and that generation, forty years, he waits for that other generation to die off, and he is he's growing up a, a generation that is still dependent, but now they're dependent on him yeah. for clothing, for daily food. They're dependent on him in battle. They're dependent on him on when they act. Literally, hey, it's time to get up and move. God, God's cloud moved. It's time for us to go. Every aspect of their life, they're dependent on God. So when they get to the ready to go into the promised land, like, let's get it going. <laughs> God's got this. Yeah. Because that's all they've ever known. Yeah. And, and so now when I'm looking at, at, at those stories and I'm looking at all that goes on, man, it's, 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 it's awesome. Because it's like we're getting to peek in and see God form this new nation. And we're also, along the way, we get to peek into the triumphs and the tragedies that are going on, the lessons learned, the frustrations that are endured by, by Moses <laughs> that he has to put up with, the power grabs by other people, <laughs> the family squabbles, the pride and the battles and all this. And you're reading it like, this is like, it's like my family. <laughs> you know, you start looking at. Wait a minute, I can relate to this. Yes, this is this is this goes on everywhere. This is what it's like. Uh, so, I, like I said, if we get caught up in the in in all the minutia of the laws, but if we start thinking about why they're there and what they're there for, it, it opens up and it makes it a whole lot, a whole lot more fun to read. Yeah, well, and I I think it makes a lot of sense as Pastor Jason's been preaching and we've been talking and leading like. To be able to step back and to see the Bible, not as all these individual Bible stories, but the story of God working, mm-hmm. you know, from from a person to a family to ultimately a nation to ultimately the church. You know, you, you get that bigger view and perspective, and I, I love that. Um, I was, I'm not as much as a, of a history buff of a, as I would like to be, but Kirk, when you're talking about that, it just reminded me of things that I've heard and read and seen about even when America was being formed. And um, they were they were forming a whole kind of a new government, different a new than way of doing things. Ever yes. known? They weren't living under a monarchy. There was a new kind of financial system. There was all those things were different, and that's what what God was doing, um, creating a whole different kind of government. And then I'm reminded of the old saying, um, you know, kind of like God brought them out of Egypt in one night, but it took forty years to get Egypt out of them. That's it. And how much that that's applies it. in our own lives? We were talking in a recent podcast too. You know, we accept Christ, we become a new, uh, a new Christian, a new believer. We are a new creation. Um, 
that happens just like that. But then to, to get that old way of life really out of us as we grow in that relationship with Jesus, that takes a lifetime of learning oh. and growing and, and being uh, formed in the, in the likeness of Christ. Justification, sanctification, glorification. Those mm-hmm. are the big words. Yeah, but it means the fancy words. I, 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 yeah, the fancy <laughs> words. I, I've been, I, you know, my my spirit has been changed immediately. Mm-hmm. My 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 soul, my emotions, my intellect. That takes a lifetime to do, yeah. and eventually, my body will be glorified. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's that process. We yeah. are being made over. You know, see, Mago Christi. We're being made over into the image of Christ. Yeah. It's a um, good reminder that it's just. It just loops again and again and again. We see the same things happening of how God works um, yes, from way back history to our own individual lives to all those things. And in this case, he's doing it with a nation, and now he does it with us individually mm-hmm. and as a church. We yes. have to remember, you know, uh, I, I made one comment. You know, you have to accept Christ individually. You can only grow as a Christian, though, with others. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, it, it's cor- We're called corporately to be, to be the church. Right. Uh, we need each other. We're the we body do. of Christ. We're all those things that are dependent on each other. That's great. I think this is um, such helpful information for getting folks excited heading into these books of the Bible yeah. and to not be intimidated by it. I think that would yeah. be a call. Um, I think we need to remember um, the time period in which the laws were written mm-hmm. um, because sometimes it can seem kind of like he's condoning certain things mm, because absolutely. he's putting laws in place. Um, I just think particularly how, you know, things to do with women. Mm -hmm. But we have to remember that if we look at what the culture in which it was written in, it's actually loving and kind. It's so much more freedom. The laws that that he's putting in place to protect the women from what could be done um, in those those times. Well, and even like an eye for an eye Mm -hmm. was... Was put a limitation in, was put in place to be a limitation from how they right. had lived. God's yeah. bringing them along, and then ultimately Jesus is going to say, "You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, but I say, right. love your yeah. enemies and pray yes. for those who persecute you." God meets us where we are, and He yeah. brings us along and along to yeah. who He created us. Yeah, because be. like one of the laws is taking women as captives as your wife, but mm-hmm. like when that's you, an incredible. But mean, when you think yeah. about that, like they could have just been killed or cast right. off, or mm-hmm. which would have been actually less loving. God's not right. condoning. Taking a captive as a wife, he's just right. putting protections in place because yeah. just to be people older. matter. That's, that's actually one of the examples that yeah. I, that I had down uh, was that you know we we tend to look at look at it from a 21st century perspective, mm-hmm. looking backwards <laughs> right. instead of looking at at it and comparing it to the cultures around. Because just like you said, if you went to war and you, what would happen to those women? They got raped and and, and yeah. killed. That was yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And God said, "You can't do that." Right. You you if you capture somebody, first of all, and here's the here's the, they need time to be able to mourn for their family. Mm-hmm. After that time, if you wish to have them as their wife, you take them and and they have all the rights of a wife. They don't, which is a big deal. Which, which is, is a prote- big deal. When she it's would be protected yeah. and taken care yeah. of. And it was a major change from what was going right. on in, in cultures around them. Yeah. Uh, but we don't. We yeah. have to look at it within that perspective. Right. Yep. Yep. That's good stuff. And I just want to say I'm so proud of our Grace Church folks who um, are really digging into the Word and into being discipled. Because as I talk to people, as we're presenting classes, Epic of Eden, and then BJ's class on Job, and Teresa has started the Psalms class now. Um, people hold as people learn these things. I'm so proud of our people because they take it in and they realize uh, the beauty of it, the richness of it, the freedom in it, and they're they're getting their mind around 
thinking like back then or not just thinking like a Westerner in the 21st century. And I see people's, the light bulb coming mm-hmm. on in people's minds and they want to learn and grow. And so Grace Church, I'm really proud of you for that. Keep it up. And, and I've, I've seen that with our small group and in others with others, the same thing. They're, they're, they're learning and they're like, I, I never knew this. Mm-hmm. This is, this is awesome. This is so, uh, you know, and they're they're embracing it, and I think that's great. Anytime yeah. somebody gets in the word, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. it doesn't return void. Yeah. yeah, I'm loving seeing how people reconcile um, what they knew about God to be true, but then what they have seen in the Bible or misconceptions that they've yes. seen in the Bible, and then they reconcile those two things together, and they go, "Aha! He yeah. really is good. He really is mm-hmm. kind. This is way what this really meant at that time period." Yeah. And so I like that because it just keeps proving God to be who he says he is over and over and over again when we really understand the context in which things happened. Yeah. So yeah. it's good. It's wonderful. It's been a great journey. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, that's, the, right. that's the word of the day. <laughs> and we're only getting started, started y'all. We're starting on it. Yes. <laughs> it keeps getting better and better. Well, Kirk, did you have anything else you wanted to point out to that us? That's it. such it's, good information. Um, it really is. Yeah. Yep. For us I to, hope it helps. For right, us to. So dredge through to the delight of the laws <laughs> it's, right. i think i think this will help people mm-hmm. stick with it and Definitely. view it in a different way so yeah. yep. we're going to be we're going to be looking forward to it as we head into um leviticus and numbers and deuteronomy mm-hmm. yeah. here yep. we come so thanks so much for com- coming well, in today Kurt. To. we look Happy forward to, to having you another time too so be thinking on the next thing you want to share with us I'm, i know you have a plethora of knowledge in there <laughs> that's right that's right so we'll plan on that sounds great yeah listeners keep on reading keep enjoying the journey god's grace is sufficient for you